You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Going Offsides. And it's it's over. The PLL season is officially over. Longest and professional sports season in the history of professional sports. Almost as long as baseball, which is ironic. But we had an excellent game. Obviously, the Whipsnakes were going for the three-peat. The Chaos were, you know, trying to avenge last year's season, which they lost in the finals. And, you know, what, what were your what, what were your initial thoughts from the game itself? Um, I thought that, you know, the Chaos really had a great game plan. I thought they were able to take um, the two biggest weapons out of kind of out of kind of rhythm and took them basically out of the game and, and Zed Williams and Matt Rambo. Um, kudos to, uh, you know, uh, the, the dark horse that we said that was going to be a big difference maker for the championship game, uh, which was defensive coordinator um, Ryan Curtis for the chaos. So it was a great game. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed kind of the start and the back and forth. Um, you know, what I will say is, is that, um, you know, the at one point during the game, which was the third quarter, I believe, you, you started to see, you know, the whip snakes, they, they, they basically kind of tried to change their identity and tried to bully the bullies. And it was really kind of out. It was really kind of uncharacteristic of them. Um, and it, it really didn't rattle the chaos at all. As a matter of fact, I think it was like it, it kind of fired them up a little bit more. And, and shortly thereafter, you saw basically, you know, Josh Byrne throw one of the Whipsnakes players into the into the first five rows and, and stick one of the best goals of the summer. So um, you know, those were some of my takeaways. I mean, uh, kudos to the whip snakes, man. I mean, they, they've had a great run. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was a, a very competitive game, but, um, I mean, the chaos were just, they, 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 they peaked at the right time and, you know, uh, uh, congratulations to AT and, um, you know, in the track pants, the track pants brought home the championship. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, like you said, the whip snakes definitely were trying to, they were looking for answers and they try to get physical and they try to, you know, rough, rough it up a little bit. I mean, somewhat cleanly, maybe a little late, but nothing too dirty. And it just, it just wasn't, it's not what they do. If anything, that's what you want. It's, it's what you expect from the chaos. Uh, if yeah. anything. So when, when they did that to the chaos, I was waiting for a scuffle, honestly, and props to the chaos for not taking the bait and props to <laughs> and I, think, I think that's what the whip snakes wanted they mm-hmm. wanted some of those guys to get taken out of the game and they just weren't gonna let that happen. well if they did that on the other end i'm pretty sure they could have gotten at least one guy out of the game but oh, that's yeah. neither here nor there but josh Byrne comes in and is like you know what enough of all this and he puts matt dunn into the ground he also was it him as well that dodged from X and apps. I don't think it was. I think it was somebody else, but absolutely got done finalized on the back of the net at one point as well. It, it was just the chaos. We're feeling it. I had heard from a couple of the guys a, leading up to the game. Man Dodge. Yeah. I heard from a couple of guys leading up to this game that, you know, these guys were dialed in. They were like, you know, three days before the game, they're like, don't talk to me anymore. By the way, they're like, stop. You know, just just no more talking. But I, I will say 
defensively, Blaze made some incredible saves. However, I felt like he didn't need to do as many saves as he has in the past or as many incredible ones because I think that this was the best performance by the defense that the chaos has had all year. And obviously, you can make that argument, you know, when uh, when Zed and Rambo only combine for, let me see here, three points yeah, and all of them are assists. And obviously, Jay Carlson, great game doing what he does. But when those two combined for three points, I felt like Jared Newman played like year, like 2019 Jared Newman. He was bumping hips. He was just, I don't think he was even going for stick checks. He was just bodying whoever he was matched up against. Surdick, same thing. Rowlett was doing his thing. And I mean, he vowed, they, they asked, you know, will you have another game like you did last time against Zed? He's like, there's no way. He's like, I just won't let it happen. And so I, I thought that was the most complete game out of the defensive unit. Uh, you also saw, uh, who was it? It was Troy Ray with some incredible, incredible picks. He got some you great know? nuggets, man. He, um, you know, I, I think really the, the, the big thing was that the whip snakes played tremendous off ball defense. They didn't let, you know, the whip snakes really get into the interior. And then on the flip side, the whip snakes, which have been traditionally, you know, a really strong defensive team, which they are. Um, their off-ball defense was not very strong in this game. Um, you know, they were <clears throat> they were doing a really good job of kind of stretching the defense, um, forcing slides, and then you know the two slide and the fill just really weren't there. Those diagonal mm -hmm. passes, mm -hmm. especially once they took the once once the the chaos were able to get to the middle of the field, it really kind of threw things off because you know, they were forced to make a make quite a few decisions. And I mean, that's where you found Chase Frazier on the backside, just wide open with the diagonal pass. I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand it because it's in theory, what the chaos do is pretty straightforward. A lot of down picks and then guys coming up towards the midfield line and then curling. And it's just like, I, I don't know where everyone's head is at. I mean, this guy's going away from the cage and they're slinging rocks to the backside pipe <clears throat> and it was just, you know, everything went well for the chaos. A lot of the GBs went well, except for in one area. And this is where the two halves kind of told the different story. Max Adler in the first half, I felt like legitimately won 70% of the clamps. But Mar Nardella was able to either throw an immediate counter or just muck up the GB enough. And I thought the wings in the first half for the whip snakes really kept them in it and kept them getting possessions. That being said... Adler was able to finish 50%, even though he had to have his shoulder pop back in. And I thought, yeah, God bless him. I thought if that was actually a real shoulder injury, I mean, it, it, it is, but like if he was done for the game, that might've really given the whip snakes just enough to maybe make it mount a comeback. But, you know, we talked about this last week that they would need a hundred total percent between face-off percentage and save percentage. And blaze did exactly as we thought somewhere in the sixties. But Max putting it at a 50, I mean, that's 113. Yeah. They, and they ended up winning by a larger margin. I mean, they won by five. So I, I do well, I do stand by that. If that was closer to 100, that's maybe one two-goal game in either direction. Well, how about um, – I mean, I'll just even say it this way. Like, one of the best things that I saw was um, <clears throat> uh, CJ Costabile with probably, like, one of the best plays that I've seen all summer – 
Um, I believe I forget there might have been three or four minutes left in the game and it was still within reach and you know the whip snakes do a good job they get the ball back they go to clear and they're clearing it up the opposite box wing and CJ Costabile just steps over the midline throws a poke check and mm-hmm. puts the ball on the ground and 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 that's all she wrote the chaos get the ball and you know basically that's the end of the game and mm-hmm. and they even said it you know um Brendan Burke and Ryan Ball said that's that might be the 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 game that might be the game defining moment and it wasn't a huge check it wasn't a big hit it wasn't anything like that it was just a simple poke check mm-hmm. another unsung hero for me was uh definitely Kyle Jackson, not only that end of game, like how he kept that ball in the stick for as long as he did, but do you remember right after the whip snakes were mucking it up and nothing was happening, nothing was really going well for the chaos either at that moment it was very kind of like a, just a sloppy moment in the game, but Kyle Jackson does a ride back, hits that GB, gets oh, yeah, tackled, amazing. gooses yeah. it. And it ends up being a chaos possession. That that type of moment just lifts the entire team. And like I said, later in the game, he obviously they got the ball to him and he single-handedly killed a good chunk of clock, even drew a hold penalty, I believe, as well. So mm-hmm. just, you know, it, it's performances like that that create a championship team. You know, you had Glassini eating a shot and then eating a cross check to the face. Uh, and <laughs> you know what? It's funny seeing him like that because we, we've interviewed him and he's very calm, cool, collected, very academic, you know, just kind of reserved guy, I think, in everyday life, very purposeful. And then you see him out there drawing a little bit and just kind of catches you off guard. And then he catches that cross check to the face. And, you know, it, it's not it's not a real game for the chaos unless Glick takes at least one shot. And I'm pretty sure I did see him eat a shot as well. So, you know, a, a lot of great a lot of great performances on, on the chaos team. I mean, listen, that's I, uh, one where I look up and down that roster and I don't see a single person that played that didn't have a meaningful moment. I'm pretty sure I saw a couple guys pick up polls at some, I thought I saw Pat rush pick up a poll at one point. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Now that I think about it, but you know, a lot of guys making sacrifices, Ryan Smith with a beautiful goal. I mean, absolutely insane goal. You know, Dane Smith with four assists, two goals, and he's kind of like, you know, the the engine that gets the whole the whole offense going, right? When nothing else goes right, he's very difficult to defend. And I think we're lucky enough, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we're lucky enough to get to talk to him in a little bit here. So we'll we'll see what his comments are from the weekend. So I uh I really loved, and I don't know if this was done by design or whatever, but Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe we can get some clarification on it. But I think one of the big things that it was kind of a key moment, um, Jack Rowlett goes down with that hold penalty. I don't know if you remember it. Um, I think it was in the third quarter. But anyway, it's still a relatively close game. But Jack Rowlett goes and he's got Zed Williams tied up. You know, he's got him. Mm -hmm. And instead of just kind of riding the hold out and just taking the penalty, he puts his hand, his left hand back on his stick and basically kind of like yanks up mm-hmm. and pulls the helmet off. Mm-hmm. And the rule well, and Glick, yeah, the Glick, Glick kind of came and, in and hit him too and, and popped and that well, thing. The, the rule in the PLL is, is that if you have your helmet come off, you have to leave the field and get evaluated. Mm-hmm. So they go man up. <laughs> Zed's not on the field. 
I, I mean, I'm going to throw this dumb luck, but that's the type of stuff that absolutely, you know, it makes you think. And it's like, if that's something that was on from, purpose, if that was on purpose, then absolutely. That's, that's like something a guy from Long Island would do. IQ level 1000, right? Uh, like uh, the first time we saw with these rules that the PLL had with the, with the shot clock, the first time we saw, I can't remember who it was. That's something a guy pop, from Levittown you know, does. Toss the ball to the defenseman, watch the defenseman pick it up, and then immediately start hounding them because, you know, no longer a shot clock violation. So very happy. You know, I, I won't lie. I mean, I like the whip snakes a lot. I like Maryland lacrosse, but it was just really nice to see chaos. And can we talk about for a second without harping on this too many times, there, there are eight, eight guys from two mm-hmm. NLL rosters on this, on this team. And we saw in the off season towers made some moves that definitely kind of solidify this identity, right? Like we knew on offense, he was going for a Canadian style of offense, Yeah. but last year he did have that quote unquote American midline. Mm-hmm. And then he had his Canadian midline. And if you look at that roster right now, with the exception of Mac O'Keefe, who has a history in the box game, you know, it's, it's in the family, right? Like his dad, mm-hmm. what played for long Island back in the day played for the New York saints. Yep. Okay. Kiefer. So he, he's kind of like the exception to the rule, right? But he very much understands all the principles. And then he does add that outside shot, which we, we saw and was very important. So a box guy that has that ability to shoot from deep, but they completely transformed kind of the identity of the team. And we still don't have Curtis Dixon. Yeah. And it's like, who do you, I mean, I don't, I don't want to even get to that part, but it's like, who do you even get rid of in this roster? You know, they, they added Cloutier, they added, uh, who else did they add this off season? Uh, they added Mac O'Keefe. Um, I mean, Costabile, probably the, I, I think I wrote in my article yesterday that one of the biggest pickups of the year was Costabile, just being a really huge addition to the team and, and definitely added added the depth that they needed on the defensive side of the ball, because Rowlett may have been defender of the year, but that, that guy does see his fair share of the penalty box. So it, it is good to have a guy like a Costa Beal, like a, like a Troy Ray that can step in and, and fill in on those man downs or those power plays. Yeah. Yeah. All true. All true statements. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. They had a Ryan Smith uh, is one of the draft picks. So, you know, all just, this, all this, all this talk about the influx of box players and everything like that. <laughs> it's getting me really excited for the NLL season. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and go ahead. Go we, ahead. We, we've both been casual. I will, I will be completely honest and open. We have both been casual NLL fans. Like we have enjoyed box the cross games live. We have followed casually, but, you know, being in the States here, it's not exactly easy to get it on the TV. I know it's an excuse. If we really wanted to, to do it, we could, but things are turning a different direction now. And I think if you're a real lacrosse fan and you don't want to wait until next, what is it, June for the next, you know, pro lacrosse game, you, you got to get into the NLL and, and there's no better time than right now, right? Like we saw five bandits and three seals just win the PLO championship. There's a reason for that. You Every know, single coach in America is preaching. You got to play box in the off season. I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I've seen both products live 
mm-hmm. the pro indoor experience is far superior to the pro outdoor experience. I'll take it a step further and not bashing anything with the PLL. I'm not, because, I'm not, I'm, I'm not yeah, yeah, I'm that. with you. I'm with you. I'm it's like saying, 1A, 1B. You know, I got it's, you. You know, it's, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of familiarity with the pro box experience because of the close ties to kind of a similar NHL experience or a minor league hockey experience. I agree. And um, I will take it a step further. I, I, I don't disagree that it's better than the outdoor experience just because it is more intimate, it is more interactive throughout the game. I mm-hmm. will even say for me personally, having been to every type of sport sporting event there is, it's probably still for me, college football, number one, just because if you're, you know, if you're an alum, it's, it's, it's something different. There's something different about that. But then I would say the NLL has been one of the best in-person experiences I've ever had right up there with the NHL. And then after that, it's NFL for me. And then, you know, I haven't been to a PLL game yet, so I'm not going to speak to that, but I've been to an MLL game and, you know, it's NLL just it hits it completely different, man. When, when I went to a Colorado Mammoth game and I saw the, the biker gang come out and, and do the national anthem and I saw a hot tub in one corner and I saw, you know, they had music during the game and they had mutton busting at, at intermission where they put Wait, kids on sheep. I was like, what, what am I doing here? And that, that place like that, was that sold like, out. That sounds like the stuff Shooter McGavin was trying <laughs> to get Happy Gilmore kicked off the, the tour for. It was honestly the greatest experience at a pro game I've ever had. So sounds like sounds like a blast. Speaking of the NLL, we actually have the pleasure of teasing a little bit of news. So tomorrow, I believe at noon, but that might be updated and we can get final times put on uh, social media. But tomorrow, Wednesday, the NLL has some exciting news coming out about a possible new partnership. And that's all I can say about it. And it's not directly tied to us or anything like that. So you know, don't think too much into it, but I am very excited for everyone involved. And I think it's really good for the NLL and I can't wait to, uh, you know, I can't wait to get some people that are involved with that deal on the pod in the future. So it's, it's exciting, man. You know, the, the NLL is growing. They have a great vision for what they want to do. And, um, you know, as they add these new partnerships and, and, and relationships, it's only going to strengthen what they're doing. And, and, and I think it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, raise the level of everything as far as opportunities for players and the, the, you know, the product on the field and Mm -hmm. everything like that. It's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. And, and, you know, the commissioner said several times that they're, they're expanding and they're, and they're looking at expansion pretty quickly. I know that there's a 16th team coming soon. That is not tomorrow's news, by the way. And tomorrow's news is also not about, uh, you know, any type of uniforms or anything like that. So it, it is exciting. There's a lot of excitement around the league right now. I think there's going to be a lot of carryover from people that have now become fans of individual pro players in the field game in the PLL, following those players into their indoor seasons, to their box lacrosse seasons. Well, and, uh, go ahead. You're you're absolutely right. No, and and I'm just piggybacking that. I think the one thing that you're seeing the PLL do that the MLL never tried to do or never wanted to do was you know they're both leagues are leveraging each other mm-hmm. to kind of raise the bar for both leagues and i think that's phenomenal you're yeah. seeing that cross promotion 
um, which I, I think for, for everything is going to be great. And I think that'll lead into, you know, the sixes. And I think that'll lead into, you know, hopefully seeing the game in the Olympics and mm-hmm. a year round so lacrosse forth. fan, you yep. know what I mean? There there's, you go. there's a year's worth of pro and college lacrosse at different levels that you can take in. There's very few gaps. If you choose to, you know, if you choose to participate, I, I will also say that to, to your point, having the commissioner actively tweeting about people in the PLL and their accomplishments nonstop taking, you know, rooting for, for teams in the championship, all of those things. That's the type of stuff you want to see. You know, we've already seen the PLL and the NLL adopt their calendars to, to supplement each other and complement each other instead of overlapping. That was a big part of the move in the first place. So I, I think what's next, and, and this is for everybody listening, what's next is to help take the casual outdoor fan and turn them into an indoor fan and expose them to the game. Because I have taken friends of mine that have never played lacrosse, but through me, they, they know a lot about lacrosse or they've seen a good amount of lacrosse because I've forced them to watch it. And I've shown them box lacrosse and it is game changing for them because they're very familiar with hockey. And now all of a sudden they're like, okay, I can get behind this. Like I, I, I watched the field thing because like you thought it was cool, but like, this is like hockey and I totally can get behind. Like I have a better understanding of what I'm looking at here. So why do people, why do people like box? Well, not boxing, but why do people love the UFC? Cause guys beat the heck out of each other. Yeah. I mean, Ooh, if you want a more physical brand of lacrosse, people love it. It's a bit high, you know, a bit higher scoring. This is where you're going to find it. So I'm excited. We're, we're Ryan and I are diving all in this season. I mean, we, we have a couple of guests now that have played that play in the league. So I, I'm not sure if I'm in neither of us. I mean, you grew up in long Island, so maybe you're a riptide guide, maybe you're not, but neither of us right now are geographically located to any, you know, we're both five, five hours from Buffalo four or five hours from Toronto. So like, we're going to have to pick a team here at some point, but as of right now, we're free agents in terms of fandom. Yeah. Maybe I'll pick up, maybe I'll pick up uh, Saskatchewan somewhere really cold. I would go Calgary, but I'm not, I'm not a teal guy. You know what? To be quite honest (laughs) with you, I'll probably stay in in the Eastern time zone. So I'm just saying, I'm I'm just not a teal guy and that field doesn't anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks buddy. All right. So that all being said, let's take a listen to, uh, to our, you know, we, we, we had the pleasure of talking with a PLL champion and a future NLL champion in Dane Smith. All right, so it's no secret that this offseason, Coach Towers doubled down kind of on this Canadian identity and this this presence of Canadians. How has the influx of Canadians, especially, you know, your Bandits teammates, kind of shifted the identity of the chaos? Yeah, you know what? Uh, we're very familiar with each other. Um, even the players that uh, don't play for the Bandits, um, uh, Westberg and... Uh, Ryan Smith, and I know Mac O'Keefe, is a, he's an American kid, but he, he's played uh, indoor and stuff like that. Um, all those guys, Kyle Jackson, um, we've either played with them or against them um, in our careers, and um, we, we grew up in the same system, so everything's very sim- similar. We might, have call, we might call things a little bit differently growing up, but uh, we all knew what we were doing, and uh, we're the type of players that um, <clears throat> we like to force the ball inside even um, when we think there's not much room, and that's a, that's a lot different than a lot of American guys, what they do and stuff like that. So um, we just had a chemistry right off the hop. Obviously, it um, took us a few, few weeks 
to, towards the end to f- figure out what, what was the best fit for us, but uh, we figured it out at the right time. Yeah, and let's talk about that for a quick second. So I, I'm not going to go as far as to say that Coach Towers doesn't care about the, the early season. I mean, obviously you want to win, but he clearly isn't afraid to tinker and make mistakes early on in order to find that chemistry like you were talking about for later on. Is that kind of by design? Is he saying things like trust the process or anything like that? Or is it just kind of just the way it's been? Because it felt like that last year as well in the bubble. Yeah, definitely. You know what? It's, it's tough. It's a little bit different than obviously the bubble. We had, we had our guys um, that we were going to roll with no matter what. Um, we just had different systems that we threw in. And for, for this year, obviously with um, the Canadian guys with their visas, we had some guys at school, um, just uh, different, different looks. Um, we were trying to find that right chemistry. And obviously, yeah, we didn't care if we were going to win early. And uh, we obviously went down 0-3. For three games we, we knew we had to win the next one because we our whole goal was to make playoffs and anything can happen from there and uh once we did which obviously came down to the wild wire um we knew that we, we were going to be able to make a run for it and again um we got we, we got the right guys at the right time um with the visas and stuff like that and um we just gelled at the right time and that's what championships uh teams do yeah absolutely i mean every year it seems to be the same thing you guys are tinkering early on and then you're hitting your stride about mid season and then you peak during playoffs. So, um, ab- absolutely right. Uh, Boyle during the, you know, I, I'm sure you, you may or may not have watched the broadcast now, but Boyle suggested that this year's offense was a bit different because last year you had kind of the set American line of midfielders. And this year he argued that you might not have any midfielders. You're really just six guys playing, you know, you, you're more focused on like lefty righty pairs and, and things like that. Is that the case or is that just something he's, uh, he kind of noticed and made up? No, he definitely, he definitely isn't wrong. I mean, we, we, again, we only had one American on our offense was kind of crazy, but he, he definitely grew up playing a little bit of box and I know he plays in and all and stuff like that. He's a great rookie. Obviously he has a NCAA uh, goal record for a reason. He can shoot, he can shoot the ball better than anybody I've seen. But uh, he, he makes us a, a lot better, Mac O'Keefe does. And um, just in general, our, our offense, as far as it goes, um, <clears throat> towers and, and let us kind of play within our systems. He, he asks questions. He, he le- listens to us. He, um, he's one of those player coaches where I've never really been a part of it as far as the field game goes for the most part. Um, as in, we, we didn't really have system for the most part. It's like, you got, we believe in you guys. You guys um, are the best in the world. At what you do um just go play play and then obviously when it did get stale um he would throw in a, a play or two for the most part but um yeah it was a lot different than the bubble where we did we did have an american and canadian line where now it was pretty much all canadians and uh, we played for each other at the end of the day um we kind of knew, knew what we were running um again we're so familiar with the box game so it was just kind of pick pick and roll stuff and all that stuff that uh, americans never really seen before yeah yeah, I noticed, and even Coach Staggs had mentioned it at halftime. He, they, they were asking him, like, what can you do to make your life a little bit easier? And he was mentioning how they have to come out and play you guys on the on the outside a little bit tighter because they, they couldn't figure out who their one and two slides were very easily. And yeah. my, my co-host and I, we were talking about this last night. You guys kind of run this like this down, you know, pass down, pick down offense, and then you put pressure along that that two point line, and then just 
the whip snakes just left chase frazier basically wide open on the backside pipe all day and you guys were just jamming it backside so it, it is an interesting kind of offensive identity and like you said you guys like to throw passes where nobody else you know thinks that that pass is open and i guess right. that's a skill set that you've developed from you know your your junior days and, and your youth days so yeah, um, yeah, their defense, their defense is definitely uh, the one of the best in the world, and uh, for a reason they've been the best uh, for a long time. And um, just kind of, you could tell. Uh, I know Earhart was uh, put on me um, the whole game for the most part, and uh, they they didn't want to slide from me. Um, we noticed, so they're sliding from the crease, which was kind of a crazy, crazy thing. Um, obviously, if it worked, it was great, but. Um, I know Josh had uh, Frazier inside twice, uh, open locks. And again, like you said, um, we're so familiar with uh, forcing the ball in at tight spaces. So in, uh, in field across, it's so open, it's, it's almost easy for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to focus on one moment. So it, we were talking about this again last night, and there was a point where the whip snakes almost seemed like they tried to play bully ball and kind of – play the chaos style of defense against you guys to kind of, I, I don't know, give it a spark or whatever. And we had three or four consecutive moments where there was maybe a little bit of a late hit or a little bit of an aggressive hit. And you could definitely tell the tone of the game was changing. How big was it at that moment for Josh Byrne to basically, as, as my co-host says, put Matt Dunn into the fifth row and hit an incredible shot? Yeah, you know what? It's huge. Um, obviously, um, they, they try to slow us down with yeah playing bully ball and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, uh, us being all Canadian offense, uh, we like that stuff. We we live for that stuff. We've grown up um, either dropping the gloves or, or getting roughed up, so it, it didn't really bother us. But that being said, we, we did think a few of those hits were late. Um, whether they were or not, um, it kind of got our team kind of fired up and everybody was kind of uh, losing their mind on the bench and stuff like that. So for uh, Joss to be like, you know what, I'm going to just quiet the, uh, the crowd with um, just a huge goal um, and to be aggressive like that. It wasn't even that he beat him. It was more that he's going to put his shoulder in, into him, make him fall over and shoot on him. Uh, it was incredible. And I think that changed the game, honestly. I think that was kind of a momentous switch um, to not beat him up, like obviously – take stupid penalties and stuff like that, but beat them on the scoreboard. And uh, that was, that was a game changing uh, play by Josh. Yeah, it definitely felt like the momentum was going in one direction all of a sudden. And honestly, as fans, we were all waiting for kind of the Canadians to take the bait a little bit and, and start to rough people up after the whistle. And I'm glad that Josh took care of it during, you know, between the whistles and just, uh, you know, took, I, I, it felt like he took the air right out of everything the whip snakes were trying to do. So uh, definitely a big moment. Now, before yeah. we talk about just you, how, you know, Blaze has had an incredible season, but what's not really looked at is the ability of Max Adler to come in early season, really struggle in that first game or two, and then quietly get himself above 50% on the year. How big has Max been? Because we know from past years that that was a position of need for the team. 100%. He came in. Obviously, at first, um, coming in from the MLL, uh, we knew he was an unbelievable MLL player that he, he's won championships before. Um, what we didn't really know was, obviously, how he's going to change the game for us as far as um, the PLL rules are a little bit different than MLL rules. Mm -hmm. So we knew he had to get his kind of feet wet a little bit before he was going to be able to really take off. Obviously, um, 
down the stretch, he, he came into his own and he proved to himself, proved to everybody that he is one of the best uh, face-off guys in the league. Um, obviously, it took a little bit, but so did a lot of things. Our offense didn't really take off till the end either. So uh, for Max to kind of uh, have that chip on his shoulder and um, beat a guy like Nardella um, as well as he did. And, and honestly, they both scrapped the whole time. It was just more um, last game specifically that we noticed was the timely ones, the timely wins. Those are the most important ones. At the end of the day, um, you can win all the faceoffs you want, but the, the most important ones are the ones that you need um, towards the end of the game or, or stopping runs or stuff like that. And I felt like Max controlled that. Absolutely. And one thing he did incredibly well is he didn't let Joe get many clean ones. There were one or two off of uh, that led to fast breaks, which actually turned into nothing. But he he really did a good job, even when he lost scrapping it up, which that, that can be a game changer as well. So, yeah, I just don't think he's appreci- he's appreciated enough um, when we're talking about this whole team and the makeup of it. I totally agree, and and he he's done a great job. He was definitely one of our backbones uh, throughout the year, and especially towards the end. And uh, for Coach Curtis to kind of put in the play where we're putting double poles as well, that helped us tremendously as well. So got to give the the coaches credit for uh, switching that up as well. Yeah, yeah, and as big of fans as we were of Coach Towers, we were really the last cut throughout the playoffs. We were huge fans of Coach Curtis because the way he decided to play the Atlas at X was <laughs> incredible. We we talked about it, we tweeted about it, and and the game plan he had to really just not play them at X and force them to do everything about the cage. I think completely threw off the Atlas, but but that's that's a story for another day. So let, let's talk about you for a second. You you kind of have really deep roots now, I would say, in the Buffalo area and the Buffalo lacrosse scene. What has, you know, as as a Bandits player and as a Buffalo resident, what kind of makes Buffalo great for lacrosse? Um, you know what? They're they're just uh they're crazy sports city in general. Um I think mm-hmm. they're one of the, the top sports cities in the world. Um whether you win, you lose, doesn't really matter. They're 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 with you through thick and thin. Um you see Obviously, the, the Sabres and the Bills uh, go a bit for, for a long time. And um, no matter what, you, you still had uh, 16,000 plus fans. And the same thing goes with us. Uh, obviously, we haven't won a championship with, since 2008, but uh, support us the way they do. It, it's, it's incredible. And you, you can tell when people come into our, our arena, uh, they say it, it, it's a different atmosphere. And um, it's one of those places that you don't want to play because the fans are, they're, they're awesome. They, they have our back. They're, they're, our, um, six man. And, um, it, it's surreal to be honest. Like I, I, it's been a long time since uh, we've been back in Bannerland. I'm looking forward to obviously this season because hopefully we can get some fans in the seats, but, um, obviously, um, it's just, it's just, it's a different atmosphere. Like I said, it's kind of like, a, I like to say it's kind of a combination of Bills fans and wrestling fans. Uh, okay. People dress up like, uh, like it's like Halloween and it's awesome. They, they, uh, for myself, they have the dog masks and stuff like that. And they, they start barking when I score and stuff. it's different. They have, for everybody, they have something different and they have the chance, they have the music. It's just like a party. And, um, if you've never been to a game, obviously you got to come out to Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, I've been to a Mammoth game, and those are pretty interesting. The, the crowd, I would say, is very interesting and unique, but I, I can only imagine what you would do with a couple of the Bills Mafia inside the NLL arena. So I'm very yeah. I'm very excited. We will be road tripping out to, to Buffalo this year for sure. We've been dying to get to a game. We're in Detroit, so, you know, we don't really have <laughs> – it's either Buffalo or Toronto right now. That's, that's all we got within right. five hours. So 
Uh, and I can't pass up a chance to go to the Anchor Bar. I'm, I'm sure there's some better places to go, but that's the touristy one that I like to go to. Um, Dane, thank you so much for your time, buddy. Uh, congrats on the win. Enjoy the workout and uh, get after her again tonight, I guess. <laughs> I, I plan on uh, getting some few rounds in as well and trying to work on my golf game uh, and then uh, right back into training camp for uh, Bandit. So uh, I'm super excited and thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Dane. Appreciate it. All right, until next week, that's been another episode of uh, of the podcast. And uh, have a good week and enjoy fall ball, buddy. Same to you, buddy. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides.